Can you hear me now? All right. I've always said I'm not going to be that pastor that forgets to turn his pack on. Well, now I forgot to turn my pack on. All right. Well, I am so glad to be here. Uh, let me introduce myself to you. My name is Jed Werlein. I'm the campus minister at our Taze Valley location. Um, thank you. We've been there for about uh, six, almost seven weeks. And, uh, you know, one of the jokes the first two weeks was, well, I must be doing all right. They haven't changed the locks yet. But uh, we changed the locks this past week, so I don't know what's going on. But uh, we'll find out tomorrow morning. I'm just so hopefully I can get in the building. But uh, uh, I'm excited to be here to share with you. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I've been telling a lot of people is something I've really noticed about Gateway is something special is happening at every campus, every location. God's working. You can see it from an outsider point of view. You can see it. Something great is happening through all the campuses, and it's only because of a one single person. That's because of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we are excited. So, all right. So, um, you know, I'm a father. I have three kids. Uh, Parker is almost 17, Pierce is 15, and Gracie's 11. And, and I tell people all, this all the time. I love being a parent. I really do. I love being a dad. I, I love everything that comes with it. But there's one thing that I'm going to be honest and transparent with you. I really do not like about parenting. Borderline, loathe, almost hate. I don't like it. And that is simply, I do not like how quick my kids think they need to grow up. Parents, I think you can agree with that. You know, I, I do not like how my kids think they can grow up way faster than what they need to. You know, Parker's almost 17 now, and when he was growing up, he would always ask for these Lego sets. And he'd always ask for the ones that are for ages like 17 to 38, you know, the really big ones that, that nobody enjoys doing. And he would always ask for those. And I was like, well, son, you're four or five. Why don't you ask for the, the small ones and, you know, work your way up to those? And he's like, no, no, no. He said, I want the, I want the big ones that, that uh, you know, adults do. And to be honest, sometimes he did okay. Uh, most of the times we just step on the loose pieces in the middle of the night because he just loses them. But he tried. He wanted to be, he wanted to be older. He wanted to do the adult version of what he should be doing. And, and then you have Pierce, and, and Pierce, when he was little, he wasn't old enough to play tackle football, but his brother was. So Pierce would watch his older brother play tackle football, and he would, he would despise it. He, he's like, I want to play tackle football. And we're like, you're, you're a kindergartner, you know, Parker's third, fourth grade. And I said, you're just, you're too young to play. And then there was one game where, where Parker's team didn't have enough players or close to it, and Pierce like, get me a helmet. I'm like, you're a kindergartner. You're not going to play against four, third and fourth graders. And so we did what we thought was the best. We, we signed him up to play flag football so we could get used to playing football before he played up. Well, Pierce started tackling kids in flag football, so we had to have a conversation with him about why that's wrong and inappropriate. But, uh, and then we had Gracie. Gracie, you know, she's, she's a little girl that does what little girls do, do. They wear these pretty dresses and wear all this fake jewelry and, you know, do fashion shows up and down the hallway. And, you know, they just want to grow up faster than what they need to. And I'm sitting there watching my kids do this. And from the top of my lungs, I want to look at them and I want to ask them a question. What is your hurry? Why are you in such a hurry to grow up and why are you in such a hurry to be in a place that you're not currently in? And I just want to look at them. Why are you hurrying so much? And you know, in 10 
to 12 years, I have a pretty good feeling my kids are going to look at me and be like, Dad, you were right. You know, when they start to pay their first bill and something goes wrong with their car or the refrigerator, they're going to be looking at me and be like, Dad, you were right. Right? Well, church, we do the same thing. I think when we're in a position that we're in, a lot of times we try to rush to a new position. We try to rush to a new role in our life. But there's a lot of times that God wants us to be in the role that we're in because we need to still learn some things. So today in our message, it's going to be two parts. And the first one is about when you're in the position you're in, or maybe you're transitioning from the role you're in to your new role. Maybe we just maybe we can learn some stuff while we're in that transition period. But then we're going to look at maybe why sometimes God asks us to wait. Because there are some times in our lives that we want to transition to something, but God's like, whoa, 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 hold on. I got I to gotta get some things lined up. I got to get some things in place before I rush you or you rush into this new position or this new role in your life. And we're going to talk about a story in the Bible that everybody knows. Probably the most famous story in the Bible is David and Goliath. But we're not going to talk about Goliath. We're going to hardly talk about David. But we're going to talk about other characters that are in that story. Other characters that maybe don't have a big role, but they had a huge impact and a huge part of David's transition from one role to the other. So if you guys have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Samuel 17, 17 through 21. And it says this, it said, One day Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain." See how your brothers are getting along and bring a report back on how they are doing. David's brothers with, were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah, fighting against Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with leaving, I'm sorry, with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts of battle cries. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. So in this point in David's life, the role that he is in, he's a shepherd, right? And when you look at the jobs and, and, and careers in, in the Bible, shepherd was pretty low on the rung. But David, I truly feel, David knew he was transitioning to something else. So Jesse asked his brother, I'm sorry, Jesse asked David to go out to his brothers and bring him some food and then I love this part of the story because he also said, hey, find out what they're doing, right? Spy on them a little bit. How many of you guys was the spy in your family, right? I was the middle child, so I was not the spy. I was usually the person that they were spying on. But he said, hey, find out how they're doing. Just let me know. And so David was in a role where he was watching sheep. And then he was transitioning to a role where he was going to take down one of the most mightiest men that has ever walked the face of the planet, and in between, David did what? He served. His dad asked him to do something, and he, he did it, and he served while he was transitioning from one role to another. Now, David could have used a lot of excuses that we are very familiar with. The first one is, well, that's not my job. David could have looked at his dad and said, I'm a shepherd. I'm not a Grubhub driver. I'm not bringing food to people. That's not my job. Another one that we use quite a bit that I think David could have fell on is, you know, I just don't know how. I don't know how to do it. That's an excuse I think a lot of us use to get out of 
you know, doing something that we don't want to do is I just don't know how to do it. Another excuse David could have fell on that I think we are very familiar with is I just don't, I flat out don't want to. I just don't want to do it. So when we look at the transition that David was about to make, the first step in his transition was serving. That's what he chose to do. He chose to listen to his father and serve. But yet he wasn't quite yet to the battlefield, but yet he was leaving his position as a shepherd. So he was right in the middle of this transition. Church, if you are in a position right now that you're transitioning from one role in your life to another role that God has in store for you, you can still learn stuff in between that transition period. And so a couple things that we need to learn while we're in that period is, number one, do not let your role lead you, but lead in your role. We are a society that we love titles. We love titles. Don't believe me? Watch Toy Story. Yes, I just told you to watch a children's movie. Buzz Lightyear, Space Ranger, right? It's not just Buzz Lightyear, it's Buzz Lightyear, Space Ranger. He's got a title. We all want a title as well. But we need to understand we, we cannot let our role lead what type of person we are. We cannot let our role determine what type of husband or wife I'm going to be. We cannot let our roles define who we are. But we need to let God lead in our role. You know, there's a lot of times when the role that you are in, you have to make decisions. A lot of times you have to make decisions that you don't want to do. And a lot of times we go into that decision-making process and we want to lead in that role. Church, I want you to listen to this. If you're ever in a situation that you have to make a tough decision or you have to make a tough call, you should be farthest from the lead. That is solely kept for God. So let God lead in your role. And, and when David was in the transition period, you know, he did something that it's a, it's a quote I've heard many years ago that I absolutely love. And it says this, it says, if, if serving is below you, then leadership is beyond you. If serving is under you and you think you're too good to serve or that's not your thing, or maybe your title is, in your opinion, is keeping you from serving, True leadership will never be in your grasp. True leadership will be beyond your arm's length. Because we need to serve in whatever capacity or position we're in. So number one, while you're waiting for that, that next role that God is trying to move you to, don't let your role lead you, but let God lead in your role. Number two, the quality of the role should not determine how faithful you are to it. Church, this one hurts. We have all had a job or a role or a position that we straight up just did not like. Borderline despised it. It took everything you had to get up in the morning. Maybe it took you everything you had to, to go to this, this role or to serve in this position. I get it. There's a lot of jobs. There's a lot of positions. There's a lot of roles that it is not a good quality. When I was young, I grew up in a small community and uh, I just tell, I say it's a community, but it was actually called a village and, uh, about 200 people and we're all related. It was, it was different, but, uh, it was in Ohio and, and we grew up and you had to drive for any type of job unless you wanted to be a farmer, which most people around us were. But so I drove, 
about 15 minutes to a automotive plant, and when I showed up, I really needed a job. I was 19, and, you know, I was wanting to get married, and, and so I showed up, and they looked at me, and they, I was like 120 pounds. I know you can't believe it now, but I promise I was. I was 5'6". I was just a small guy. And they looked at me, and they said, are you afraid of enclosed spaces? I said, I am, but I need a job, so I'll do whatever you tell me to do. So they would take me to one of the machines, and they would put me in it, and I would just scoop out sludge every 15 minutes. Scoop it out, put it in a 50-gallon drum, go sit down, drink a bottle of water. 15 minutes later, they threw me down. I did that for 10-hour shifts for a couple years. It was miserable, awful. I hated everything about it, but I never missed a day. I was there every day because I knew that role that I was in would take me to the next role that is down the road for me. Church, I want you to listen to this. Ministry can get messy. I know there's a lot of jobs, a lot of roles out there in ministry. Discipleship, you know, pouring into people that, that, that maybe you just don't have a good relationship with. There's some ministry uh, uh, opportunities out there. They're messy. But that does not need to affect the quality of your role in that position. But that's what we do when, when, when things are not exactly the way we planned or, or maybe it doesn't, doesn't play out the way we thought it would. We give half of, our, half of our effort to that. Church, there's jobs out there that are messy. But God has called some of us to those. And we need to do whatever we can to serve with an amazing, uh, just a grateful heart. So number two, the quality of your role should not determine how faithful you are to it. The third one is the voices usually do not understand God's vision. I want you to listen to this one. This one's really tough. Because on this one, we're going to have to start, we're going to talk about people in our life that we love, truly, that we love in our life that are trying to look out for us. Maybe they want the best for us, but there's a lot of things we need to know while we're waiting from one transition period to the next. While God is moving us from one role to another, we need to look at this one. So if you guys have uh, your Bible still open, 1 Samuel 17, 28 through 37. It says, but when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and your deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. Don't worry about the Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since he, his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it again to the pagan Philistine. Two, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And finally, 37 says, The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. David loved his brother, and I believe that his brother loved him. 
So David goes out to the battlefield being obedient to his father, and his brother did what a brother does to a little brother. Why are you here? What purpose do you have here? You're not a soldier. You're not a warrior. You know, you just want to see the battle. He's like, I can see right through you, and I can see why you're here. And David's like, David did the typical, the, the younger brother, what did I do, right? He's like, I didn't do anything. I just came here because our father asked me to bring you food, and, and I'm just being obedient. And he called him out, and he said, well, you're too small. You're, too, uh, you're not experienced. You're not a soldier. And so David then was addressed by, was addressed by Saul. And when, when um, Saul was, when he was talking to him, he said the same thing. He said, you're just too young. You're too small. And David had to kind of defend himself. And he said, I've done this before, guys. I've been in a situation before where I had to fight against something that I shouldn't have beat, shouldn't have defeated. Church, the voices usually do not understand God's vision in your life. A lot of times when God tells us to move or he gives us a path that we need to walk on, there's going to be people that don't understand it. And a lot of times it's people that we love and we care about. And usually it's coming from a true, sincere place of love. Church, there's people in your life that they're not going to understand God's timing in your life. It's okay. There's going to be people in your life that they cannot comprehend the faith that it's going to take on your part to move to the next position that God is calling you to go. Church, it's okay. Church, there's going to be people in your life that they just can't comprehend the, the magnitude of the role that God is calling you to do. Church, it's okay. Church, if you're in a position where God has transitioned you from one position to the other, the only person that really needs to comprehend it is you. You need to have the faith that moves from one, moves from one position to another, one role from another, but God has to lead in that, and I get it. These voices usually come from people that we love very much. I shared a story with you about when I was at this automotive plant, and, and you know, I, I, I was the oil boy for two years, and I worked my way up. And I, was, I, I, I got to a point they were going to promote me. I was going to be like third under the, the factory president. And, I, I mean, I, I poured my heart into it. I mean, blood, sweat, tears. I was there 70 to 100 hours a week. Uh, they sent me to training all over the place, and they invested in me. And, and, I mean, I did everything that I was supposed to do to get this position. And I remember the day before I was supposed to get the promotion, they had this big thing set up, and, and uh, the factory president called me into his office. He was an um, amazing, absolutely unbelievable believable man of God. He was one of my favorite people that I've met in the course of my life that has had a huge role in my life. And he brought me in, and with tears in his eyes, he said, Jed, I don't know how to tell you this. This role is not intended for you. And I remember I was so angry, church. I was so hurt. I was so mad. I felt like I wasted seven years of my life pouring into something that I, that I knew, church, that's the key word, that I knew that this was the plan for me and my family. And I knew I was in the position to get that when he told me that I was so mad. He was a believer. He was a pastor's kid, and 
He looked at me, he said, it makes no sense, Jed. But I truly believe after many and many of hours in prayer that this position, this role is not intended for you. He said, God's got a role for you. I don't know where it's at. I don't know what it's doing, but this is not it. So I went home and I was furious. I was very upset. I was venting to my wife and I'm like, this is awful. This throws off our plans for the rest of our life. And I was so angry. I was like, we have invested in this. And as soon as I said that, we got a, I got a phone call. My, my phone rang. And it was my old youth pastor when I was growing up. I answered the phone, and he said, I don't know why I'm calling you. I don't know why I'm even reaching out to you. He said, but uh, um, I just I felt like I had to call you. He said, but again, no idea why I'm talking to you. I was like, well, thanks, Mike, for the encouraging phone call. Tell me you don't know why you're talking to me. He's like, but he said, I'm a senior pastor at a church up in Michigan. And he said, I just want to ask, would you want to come up and be our youth pastor? He's like, now I want to preface by saying this. It's in Michigan. It's outside of Flint. We can't pay you. And the people in the community are just hurt and broken. They're really hard to get through. And he's like, I don't know if I mentioned the last thing, but it's in Michigan. <laughs> and, and I was like, well, I was like, we'll pray about it. And he said, before I hang up, I want to tell you this. You should not say yes. He's like, I don't expect you to say yes. He said, but I felt like I was supposed to call you. And my wife and I prayed about it for a long period of time. And we moved to Michigan. And I remember when we were transitioning from the position that we were in and we're transitioning to, to move to Michigan and, and to take over a role that, that honestly was, was one of those messy roles that I was telling you about and, and move into where we don't know where God's going to provide. We don't know how we're going to do anything we're going to do. And we told our families in church, people called us reckless. People called us irresponsible. We even had people tell us that we're bad parents. Those voices hurt. But we need to understand a lot of times those voices don't see it from the point of view that God has given us. Church, those voices are going to be loud, but you've got you to gotta let God's call in your life be louder. I know we take those voices and we take them serious because a lot of times they do mean good in your life. But if you are on the verge of following God's call in your life and transitioning from one world to another, church, you need to listen to this. He's got you. He has you. The plan he has for you is in place. You just have to walk down it. The voices could say all they want as long as you are following the voice of God and the every decision that you make. So number three is the voices usually do not understand. Four is sometimes we are called to be the sheep watcher. Sometimes we're called to be the giant slayer. First Samuel says, so David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse has directed. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. David could not leave until a sheep watcher showed up. He could not leave until someone came and took his flock to go do what God had called him to do. Now, when you look at just the two titles, sheep watcher, giant slayer, 
One honestly looks a lot better than the other, right? And, and so we need to understand sometimes we're this. Sometimes, yes, we have to hang back and watch somebody else's sheep take on their responsibility while they go and do what God has called them to do. We do not like to do this. The reason why we don't like to do this is because we like the lights over here. We like the notoriety over here. But we don't like being down here where nobody notices what we're doing. Church, when I'm a basketball coach and, you know, when uh, we get in a point of the game where we're down to two seconds left, I call a timeout, ready to take the game-winning shot. I have never been at a loss for someone wanting to take the game-winning shot. There's never been a time in my coaching career that everybody was silent in the huddle when I asked who wants to take the shot. It's usually the kid that went two for 27 and had two points. He is the kid that usually raises his hand. But you know what I've been a loss for in those huddles? Somebody volunteering to pass the ball in. Somebody that wants to assist on the shot that wins the game. Nobody wants to do that because that stat is not as glorious as the other one. You never see in any sport, especially basketball, after a game-winning shot, they lift up the guy that passed the ball in. That's never happened. But here's the thing, church. That could not happen without that. Giant Slayer could not happen without somebody coming and watching the sheep. When it comes to God's plan in our life, every, every role is important. Every position is important. We cannot think that just because it doesn't look as good as that, that we, we are too good to do this. So sometimes we're called to be the sheep watchers and sometimes we're called to be a giant slayer. Okay. So now we talked about what to do while you're waiting. What to do while you're waiting to transition. I gave you four things on what to do while we wait. Now we're going to ask the question, why do we wait? Why does God ask us to wait? And there's a lot of reasons why this could be, but there's four that I really picked up on in this text. Number one is simply your sheep watcher is not ready yet. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Church, I'm going to make a statement right now that uh, is going to make everybody uncomfortable. Okay? Trust me. I know, I know I'm new, but trust me. You can trust me. There's a generation coming up behind us. They're not ready yet. They're not. There's a generation coming up behind us that needs to pick, off, pick up where we leave off. Church, they're not ready yet. Whose responsibility is it to get them ready? Us. It is our responsibility to get the, those sheep watchers ready so we can go to the next stages of where we're supposed to go. Church, we just saw a huge group of kids walk out of that door and went to learn about Jesus Christ. They are the next generation. They are coming up. They're not ready yet. But what are you doing to get them ready? Are you just filling their heads with negativity? Are you doing what David's brother did and just tell them you're not good enough, you're not strong enough? You're not smart enough. Church, maybe we're stuck where we're stuck right now because sheep watchers not ready yet. 
Well, church, we need to start getting our sheep watchers ready because they're coming up. And we need to pour into them like we expect people to pour into us. So number one, maybe we're stuck in the transition that we're in right now because our sheep watcher, they're just not there yet. Number two, your weapons aren't ready yet. So we read in Scripture in 1 Samuel, it says, Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of maul. David put it on, strapped a sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into a shepherd's bag. Then armed only with the shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to the Philistine. Smooth stones come from jagged rocks. Those smooth stones had water rushing over them for years, forming them, molding them, turning them into the the weapons that God had in store for David. Those jagged rocks did not turn into smooth stones overnight. So maybe you're where you're still at right now because your weapons just aren't there yet. Church, we're going to shift into, we're going to talk about relationships for one point. You know, maybe that's you, that you're, you're, you're single or maybe you're in between relationships and maybe you've had a, a bad track record at, 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 you know, relationships and you're just like, why am, I so, why am I still here? Why am I still in this position? Well, church, I want you to listen to this. The number one most effective weapon in a marriage is a God-loving, Bible-knowing spouse. And maybe they're not ready yet. So while you're staying into this, this single phase of your life and, and you feel awful and you, you just want to get there, maybe you're still there because that spouse, they're not ready yet. God's still working on that weapon that is going to be very effective in your life. Church, all of us have weapons. All of us have things we're good at. But maybe, maybe we're not positioned yet because they're just not there yet. You know, there's a saying, a quote that I heard that I I really love. It says, if you can't see what God's hands are doing, then you need to trust his heart. If we can't see what God is doing in our relationship status, trust his heart. Trust what he has in store for you because it's probably way better than what you have right now. So number two is maybe your weapons aren't ready yet. Number three, the battlefield isn't in view yet. Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of your Lord Jesus be with you. So David walks up to the battlefield, and when he was walking up, he was carrying his items. Then it says he crossed the battlefield, and that's when he went to battle. Church, if we start throwing everything we have in a battle we're not even supposed to be in yet, you're going to be exhausted. You're going to be tired. Church, we will be in our fair share of battles in our lives. Some of them are not meant for us. But yet a lot of times we see the battlefield, doesn't matter if it's ours or not, and we start to throw our stones and we start to to, to fight with everything we have. And then by the time the battle that is intended for you comes, you're tired, 
you're exhausted. And a lot of times, church, we just give up hope. So maybe you're where you're at now because your battle is not ready yet. So what should you do? Rest. Rest. Gain up your energy. Gain up your knowledge. Be in Scripture every day. Read about how your weapons are effective. There's so many Scriptures in the Bible about how God uses what is inside of you. So maybe you're still where you're at right now because the battlefield's not there yet. Church, in the Scripture we read, it says the God of peace will soon, soon crush Satan. That means it's going to happen. Be patient. Soon, church, get rested. And the last one, maybe this is why we're waiting. Maybe this is why we're still waiting to go to the next role that God has put in front of us, and that's maybe you're not ready to lay down what you have to pick up what is needed. 1 Samuel 17, it says, Soon the Israelites and the Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out, to the ranks to greet his brothers. Church, if David went to the battlefield with what he brought, he would have been fighting that fight, that battle, with a loaf of bread and some cheese. Guarantee the story would have ended a lot different if he would have went there with what he came with. David was fighting with a charcuterie board. That's exactly what it was. Grain, cheese, and meat. But yet David got to where he was called to be, and he dropped everything that he came with, and he picked up what God told him he needed. Church, this is where I think a lot of us are at. I think a lot of us, our weapons are sharp. Our weapons are ready. I think a lot of us, the battlefield's in view. I think a lot of us have raised up people that are coming behind us. But I think we're stuck right here. And the reason is, Church, we are stubborn people. Do not look at someone and be like, mm-hmm, don't do that. We are stubborn people. When we have something in our grasps that we know or think that we need, church, we get comfortable with it. And it takes everything we have to drop it. It takes everything we have to let go of it and to pick up what is needed. The part of this story that I love absolutely the most is David knew he had to drop what he had to pick up what God was trying to give to him. Church, can we be that bold as Christians? Can we be that, that, that bold as followers of Jesus Christ that we could say, God, I can't see your hands, but I trust your heart. I'm gonna drop what I came with and I'll pick up what is needed. Church is where we struggle the most. You know, when my kids were little and they were running around with something that they shouldn't have had. There was two words that would stop our kids in their tracks and they would get rid of anything that they had. Do you guys know what those two words are? Drop it, right? Kids would run around with a fork. Well, we had one kid that ran around with a fork, but he'd run around with a fork and you know he's not supposed to have it. You look at him, you point, you say, drop it. They drop it. They walk away from it. Church, I truly believe that God is looking at some of you today and he's pointing his finger. He's telling you to drop it. Drop whatever you have to pick up what is needed. 
church, this can be one of the scariest moments in our lives when God is telling us to let go of something we're comfortable with. But church, I want you to understand, if you're making a transition from one role to another, if you're truly following the will of God and the call of God in your life, God has you. Trust him. Heavenly Father, God, as we come into this moment, Lord, and God, I want to lift this up to you as our prayer today. God, we have stuff in our life, Lord, that we just won't let go of. Lord, that we just can't get our hands off of it, even though you're telling us to drop it. God, we are so stubborn sometimes. God, my prayer is that we can get rid of the stubbornness. God, we, re we replace it with our faithfulness. Our faithfulness to you, God, and everything that you have called us to do. God, I know some paths, some roads are pretty intimidating. God, I know you set us down paths, Lord, that sometimes we can't see the end. But God, this is where we need to drop with whatever we came in with and pick up what you have called us to pick up. God, maybe there's somebody here now that's struggling with a relationship. God, maybe they're struggling with the right relationship and they just don't understand why. God, my prayer over that, that individual, Lord, is that they have patience. Patience because God is doing something great in their future spouse. God, we know that battlefields pop up every day. God, we know that battlefields come out of nowhere in places we least expect it. But God, my prayer is that we're ready. God, my prayer is that we get our younger generation ready. God, there's a battle coming and we know this. But God, this is why we trust in you. We love you, Lord. Amen. As we come